We are continuing in our teaching series, The Story of Everything, this morning, where together we are looking at 100 essential passages of Scripture and seeing how they tell God's story, the story of everything, and how we fit into that story. It's easy to think of the Bible as a collection of different, unrelated pieces. You have Noah's Ark over here, a prophecy there, and some stories about Jesus nearer the back. But as we're beginning to see through this series, in a sense, the Bible is really one big family story. It's a family that starts back in Genesis and carries on to this very day. And as everyone knows, families are complicated. I recently watched the new Disney movie, Encanto, and I was very impressed by how it showed such real family dynamics in simple and profound ways. In the movie, the cracks in the family house are a sign of deeper dysfunction. You see throughout the movie how different family members have different roles, both healthy and unhealthy, and how pain in one generation ripples down to the next. It's not hard to find a character to relate to in the movie, to feel that we can both resonate with and understand the family dynamics at play. Well, this week, it may also be very easy for us to find ourselves in the story of everything, as the biblical narrative tackles issues that may be close to home for many of us. Family conflict, life plans going completely awry, and the silence of God in the midst of it all. So stick with me as I map out a little bit of where we are and try and connect the dots between last week and this week. Last week, Tyler spoke to us about Abraham, the father of faith, and the covenant that God made with him. And if you read through all of the E100 readings last week, you would have heard about Abraham's son, Isaac, the beloved son, the son of laughter given to him in his old age. And then you would have heard about how when Isaac grew up, he had twin boys, Jacob and Esau, and of the bitter conflict between them. These three generations, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, they make up the patriarchs, the fathers of the Abrahamic religions. And so God is known throughout the scriptures as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then we have Jacob's son, Joseph. Joseph has 10 older brothers, one older sister, and a younger brother. He also happens to be Jacob's favorite kid. I don't have children myself, but it seems like general parenting wisdom that you don't play favorites with your children, at least openly. It can only lead to hurt and resentment. And we see that this is exactly what happens here. Joseph is the apple of his dad's eye, the son of his favorite wife, Rachel. When he's 17, Jacob gives Joseph a very nice coat, and this essentially signals to the rest of the family that, that Jacob sees Joseph as the leader among his brothers, despite being almost the youngest. As you can imagine, this does not go over very well. And then when Joseph starts unwisely bragging about having dreams of his whole family bowing down to him, well, his brothers really start hating him. Throughout the whole story of Genesis so far, 
we've seen this conflict between siblings come up over and over again. And it forms a key theme in the book of Genesis. Cain and Abel, Isaac and Ishmael, Jacob and Esau, families are complicated and sibling relationships can be very hard. And now that same conflict has been passed down to the next generation. And that's where our reading this morning picks up, with Joseph essentially still a kid, sent by his father to check on his brothers where they're pasturing the sheep. They're about 80 kilometers away from home, so it's quite a journey. And when his brothers see him coming in his fancy coat off in the distance, knowing that they're far from home and that there's no one watching, they make plans to kill him. Get the pesky younger brother out of the way and restore the family order to the way it should be. Well, not all the brothers agree to actual murder. Judah has the bright idea of selling Joseph instead of killing him, and thus making a few bucks in the process. And the brothers agree. And so at the young age of 17, Joseph is stripped of his beautiful coat, thrown into an unused well, and trafficked by his own brothers to slave traders who happened to be passing by on their way to Egypt. It will be a full 13 years before he regains his freedom. 13 years spent in captivity, deprived of his culture, his family, his language, and his youth. And all of this by his own brothers. Betrayal at its most personal and most heartbreaking. And where is God in this story? I've been reading through the Bible beginning in Genesis this year, and as an exercise, I've been underlining in blue every time that God speaks. Up until this point in Genesis, you can't turn a page without seeing blue. From the creation of the world to Adam and Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, all of them hear God clearly. And then Joseph is thrown into a pit, and the blue underlining stops. We go one week from hearing God speaking to Abraham almost like a brother, taking him outside and showing him the stars, to Abraham's great-grandson, alone, far from home, in a dungeon. No visions of stars, no promises that this is going to work out at all, just the silence of God. Maybe today, some of you can relate to this place that Joseph finds himself in. And there's lots here to relate to. Maybe you have seen the stress of the last couple years taking its toll on your family. And what used to be minor cracks have started deepening and spreading until you're not sure how or if they can be fixed. Maybe someone close to you has hurt and betrayed you and the unrelenting ache goes all the way through you. Maybe the plans that you have had for your life have been derailed. And like Joseph, you find yourself in a place that makes no sense, where you feel useless, lost, or forgotten. Maybe the silence of God is weighing heavily on you today, and you long to hear his voice, to see how it all fits together, or just to know that he is in control 
despite what it feels like. Or maybe you find yourself in the position of Jacob, holding the remnant of his son's fancy cloak, seeing the unintended consequences of his own actions, his own parenting failures, not knowing the full picture, but knowing that he has lost more than he can bear. If you find yourself in any of these places this morning, take heart. You are not alone. God has not forgotten you. Whether you find yourself in this place because of your own actions or the actions of others, or maybe simply through things not going your way, let me assure you, God loves you. God has not forgotten you, and there is hope. We don't get to see how the story works out in our passage that we read this morning. That's a longer story, and it will happen over the course of the E100 readings this week. I highly encourage you to read the whole thing. It's full of tenderness and wisdom and compassion. But I will give you a spoiler of the ending because this is a story of hope, and we all need a little hope these days. It's about God working a miracle in Joseph's heart so that this family story continues and becomes large enough to embrace the whole world. If anyone ever had a reason to feel bitter and angry, Joseph did, deeply betrayed by his brothers. It would have been easy, so easy, to let bitterness sink in and begin to grow to rehearse over and over what had been done to him, to tell the story of betrayal in words that become a familiar mantra of anger and hate. Have you ever found yourself doing this? I know I have. The stories get going in our heads, a rhythm that becomes both comforting and poisoning. If it's left unchecked, it can be deadly. It would have been oh so easy for Joseph to keep reciting that mantra to himself, to feel that he had been abandoned not just by his brothers, but by God, and to turn on his family and God in return. And that could have been the end of this family story, ground to a halt in the dust of Egypt and in the pain of Joseph's heart. And yet somehow, in the darkness of that dungeon, with everything taken from him, God works a miracle in Joseph. Rather than turning away from God, God becomes Joseph's only hope. Rather than rejecting God, Joseph clings to him in the darkness. And like a seed planted underground, the circumstances surrounding Joseph begin to soften him until he rises up again once, in, once again into the light and is able to bring life and hope to so many. It is that first miracle of Joseph being open to what God is doing in the midst of difficulty that enables a further miracle of forgiveness when Joseph finally confronts his brothers. Here's what he says to them when they finally come face to face, when all is revealed. Don't be distressed. Don't be angry with yourselves because you sold me here, for God sent me before you to preserve life. 
It was not you who sent me here, but God. Wow. Wow. Betrayed, abandoned, forgotten, and this is what has grown in Joseph's heart. There are many miracles in the Bible. And in the weeks to come, we will hear some of the more spectacular ones. But one of the greatest miracles to me is here in this story of Joseph. The miracle of a heart that is kept soft despite terrible circumstances. The miracle of restored family relationships. The miracle of forgiveness that enables an entire family to live and to survive a famine that would have otherwise wiped them out. And because they survive, they go on to become the Israelite nation from whom the Messiah of the world will come. This is not just Joseph's story. And this miracle is not just Joseph's miracle. It is our story and our miracle. Because Joseph wasn't the only person to be betrayed by a loved one, to be sold, and to be planted like a seed in the dark, only to rise up and bring life to many. Many years in the future, many years after Joseph, a descendant would be born in the line of Joseph's brother Judah, the same brother whose idea it was to sell Joseph in the first place. And this descendant, known as Jesus, the Lion of Judah, would be sold for a paltry sum. He would be hung on a cross. And on that cross, he would hold all of the pain, all of the grief, all of the betrayals and the sin that the world has ever known. And in doing so, he would enable us the chance to accept the miracle of a soft heart, a heart of forgiveness, a heart of love. My prayer for each of you who is burdened by pain and hurt this week is that like Joseph, you may experience this miracle in your lives. That like Joseph, you may cling to God with the hope that he will see you through and he is doing good work in the darkness. And like Joseph, you may rise out of the darkness with hearts made soft and a new understanding of how God is working in your life. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen.